could they could win out. Um, this is their toughest game on paper, no question. Um, but if they win this game, you got to feel really good about them. I barely, barely graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. Between him and Mark and, and Gus, I mean, these guys are these guys are studs. Welcome into the lounge. It's a better lounge today because we're coming off a win. It's a few days old by now, all right? But we're a little behind in the schedule. Still reeling because we don't know what day of the week it is. I, I don't, my clock is still thrown off. And we had a guest today that, you know, we had to wait a couple extra days to get this guest, but it's going to be worth it. Lewis Riddick from ESPN uh, joined the Monday Night Football crew this year. Lewis is going to be joining us today on the lounge. Yeah, and he's going to be broadcasting the game on Monday night in Cleveland. So I think it is weird. I mean, we're all players and coaches. They're even talking about it this week over the past couple of weeks. There really is just no sense of routine right now over the last three weeks. You go from obviously everything that happened during Thanksgiving week, that game gets postponed two or three times? Uh, three times. Three times, three times. And then you, so you play Wednesday, now you play Tuesday, um, and now you play on a Monday. So yep. it's been it's been wild. Um, but – after this, it looks like it should be more of a normal routine over the course of the rest of the season. And the good news is, and the reason this is a happy lounge, is the Ravens are back on track. The Ravens, after a three-game skid, are back on track. And I, I'm i starting to drink the Kool-Aid once again. It was dark really? time. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm looking through it, and certainly the Ravens, could they could win out. Um, this is their toughest game on paper, no question. Um, yeah. but if they win this game, you got to feel really good about them. And then let's just say, let's just, let's just play that out. And they go into, well, let, 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 let's play this out on the back end. Okay. Okay. All right. All right I do, you don't want to get, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Exactly. Exactly. That's, well, no, that's actually, fair. That's fair. We, we, we can, we can, we can dive into that conversation. We can dive into that conversation on the back end. All right. But I do want to read one email before we jump into the, the interview with Lewis. And also we want you to remind, we want to remind you that crown Royal wants to remind you to take a water break and moderate your drinking. Stay hydrated, stay royal. Crown Royal Canadian Whiskey. So, the email here, as always, you guys can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. This comes to us from Matthew Kane. How you doing, fellas? This is Matt, longtime listener, but first-time writer. He appreciates appreciates the show. He says, I'm a Ravens fan out here doing a PhD in Kansas City territory, so congratulations Ooh. on the PhD. Uh, good luck dealing with Chiefs fans out there, because I'm sure that's not uh, easy these days. <laughs> Um, Do we congratulate pe- people on being in a PhD program? I feel like that's hell. Well, it's, you know, it's like good luck with it. You I, know, I guess good luck. God bless but, you. Well, I'm I'm giving Matthew credit. He's gonna finish the job. That's the thing. He's gonna finish the job. <laughs> so I'm just getting the preemptive the preemptive congratulations. Did you get Did you get anything beyond your your bachelor's? No. Make, make, did no, you maybe. Did you get anything beyond eighth grade? <laughs> did you get a barely. high school degree? I I barely barely graduated high school. By the skin <laughs> of my teeth. Proud Terp, proud Terp, but really, let's be honest, I graduated from the Diamondback U. Mm. It, it was less from University of Maryland. Diamondback U, all right. Is that a thing? Is that what you guys say? No, that's our college newspaper. Company. No, 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 I know, but is that kind of, is that, is that the thing that the Diamondback alums talk about? No, oh. no, we just, no, I just, I just, what I'm you just saying started. is that I slept through most of my classes. <laughs> I got, I got, I got pretty passable grades. I'm good at exams. And, you know, I got by. I walked. I walked. That's better than some of my friends could say who walked but actually didn't get their diploma. They just tricked their parents into thinking. <laughs> just walked across the stage. <laughs> just, just walked. I never got the diploma. <laughs> All 
All right. So as much as I'd love to talk about Mink's clown friends not walking uh, or not graduating from college and uh, faking it, uh, we do want to finish Matthew's email. So he says, in the time of COVID, I feel like we've got a lot of negatives going on. While we should not make light of serious things happening at the same time, how about we spend some time showing love to some Ravens who have been crushing it? And my first vote goes to Marlon Humphrey. When are people yeah. going to give this man the respect he deserves? Put the league on notice, fellas. I mean, I feel like like Marlon's gotten a fair amount of respect. And you hear it in broadcasts and stuff. You know, people, uh, broadcasters, Lewis will probably talk about this uh, in the game on Monday night. You know, they, they talk about how Marlon is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So I, I do feel like, and, and let's be frank, money talks, right? Mm-hmm. So he just got paid to be the second highest paid cornerback in the NFL. That says something. Um, so I, I think that people generally know uh, how good Marlon is. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's in the DPOY, Defensive Player of the Year, conversation. I, I It's going to be hard, I think, for him to pull it out in the end with guys like T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald and – some of those guys, Xavier Howard from the Dolphins has eight picks this year. Mm-hmm. But Marlon is just like a phenomenal all-around player. Coverage, six force fumbles. Uh, you know, he tackles like a linebacker. I mean, this he's just an excellent player. Yeah, I think it was Chris Collinsworth who talked about it um, during a game this year where he talked about how Marlon can play in any era. Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of become a little bit of a buzz worthy topic around him that he just plays the position like a linebacker he's so physical he can stick on your best uh receiver like glue so yeah i i think also part of it is once you make that first pro bowl then at that position in particular then the buzz kind of starts to build like oh he's one of the best corners so he made the pro bowl last year um now he's elevated his game even more he gets into that defensive play of the year conversation i agree i think unless he were to really finish with some huge splash plays down the stretch Aaron Donald is... Which he's capable of. He certainly is capable of it. I mean, could he have, you know, two picks and a touchdown and a couple forced fumbles in these final four games? Sure. I mean, that would be quite a run, but it could happen. I think when you look at, like, Aaron Donald, he's got the name recognition, obviously, and he's just a tremendous player. TJ Watt, same same deal. Um, So I I think it will probably be tough for him to get it, but I think he could. I also think that Patrick Queen's right there in the thick of the uh, defensive rookie of the year conversation, so... Um, props mm-hmm. to both those guys for, for being in that mix. Although I don't think the Ravens are going to have 13 pro bowlers again this year. I don't think so either. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of it is just like how buzzworthy the team is in general. And I think a lot of the narrative has been, well, the Ravens haven't had a season like they did last year. And I think that that is going to rub off on, on pro bowl voting. Um, but there's still a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are deserving. Yeah. Plus like, <laughs> 13 is not the standard. I mean, I know like right. that was a record last year. I think it was a tie for the most ever that any team initially had. So, um, sure, if you want to compare it to that and they if they fall short of that, I don't think that's really a, a disappointment. I just think that that's yeah. a nature of this season. And, you know, when you're not going to get 13 Pro Bowlers many years. Hardly. It's never happened other than last year and I think one other season. So, um, yeah. I'm not too worried about that. Plus, the Pro Bowl is not even a real game this year. It's just an award. But it's just a word no it's an award it's an it's just an award, oh, an award. But, but you don't actually have the game this year they don't go there and spend the time in orlando right, right. so anyway um, you miss your trip to disney world i'll time. miss the trip to disney world and i'll miss the trip to the uh the mexican restaurant that i love going down there too every year so that's really the highlight of the trip <laughs> that's the highlight uh, all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we'll be joined by espn analyst lewis riddick 
This season, when you trade up to Ram Trucks, you're getting power, luxury, and technology like you never imagined. You don't become the back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year for nothing. And with the Ram 1500, you can get a lot of everything. Rear legroom, a reconfigurable center console, it's all available now, plus you get a lot more storage. Or you could also trade up to the Ram 3500 and get 410 standard horsepower in a gas engine. For these great deals, and to find out more, go to Ram.com today. Well, thrilled to be joined by Lewis Riddick. Uh, Make sure you tune in to Monday Night Football, where he will be part of the ESPN crew calling the action. Uh, Lewis, let's just start out. uh, You're in Cleveland right now. What's the sense that you get about the excitement level? uh, around? I know you can't go around town because of COVID right now, but do do you get the... (laughs) Yeah, do you get the excitement level from the Browns, like talking to them about what this game means to that franchise? Yeah, you know, it's, it's... It means a ton, okay, because they know that Baltimore has had their number, and they have bullied them and pushed them around for years now. And if, when you just look at the 2020 season, look, week one was embarrassing for Cleveland. It, it just was. That was that was one of those games where most fans would say, yep, those are the Browns, same old Browns, <laughs> always goes. And they're very eager to get rid of that and shed that perception of them. If this was normal circumstances – even without being, even when it's not normal circumstances, I mean, we're in the middle of this pandemic, there's going to be very few fans here. You get the sense around here from talking to the team and knowing kind of how this city feels that this is huge. This is a huge over the hump game where I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's straight up from here, but let's just put it this way. It's going to, it would gain a lot of respect for this football team nationally, locally, and internally saying, okay, now it's not just, the 93 record. Now we've actually beaten a team that has basically had our number and now we can just keep building and ascending from here. If there were fans here, this would be a, <laughs> a must-see game. You'd have to have a ticket for this game. And this, where I'm at right now, which is right smack in the middle of downtown, it would be buzzing. Because I know what it's like here when, when the games were big back in the you know mid early 90s when I played here. And this, this city has grown exponentially since then. And it would be it'd be off the charts and it's, it's still going to be anyway. I mean, for people watching at home, this is going to be a huge game. It should draw a lot of fans. It's going to draw a huge rating for us because people want to see if Cleveland's for real. For sure. I'm curious what you make of the Raven season so far. Um, obviously they come into the year and after going 14 and two big expectations and all of that been a struggle a little bit to get back on track with the win last week, just kind of big picture. What do you make of where the Ravens stand right now? Well, I think, you know, it's one of these teams, like like a couple different teams, that their season has gotten kind of off the rails in some ways by things that they can't, you couldn't have foreseen heading into 2020. Like when last year ended, you didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. You didn't know they'd have, you know, star players getting put on freaking COVID lists and not being able to play, not being able to practice, have to play games with no practice, not knowing who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Guys who are healthy otherwise, but they had close contacts, they got to sit out. I mean, that, that throws a whole – like the whole bunch of monkey wrenches into a season that you just never could have predicted and can get you out of your rhythm and kind of get you sideways a little bit in ways that you never would have anticipated. And you have to keep that in mind when you're evaluating this team. So you, you can't just compare last year to this year because they're, they're dealing with things they didn't have to deal with last year. Now, that being said, there is growth that still needs to be had with this football team based off of how last year ended and what they need to do going forward in order for them to really be able to deal with 
the monsters in the AFC. Okay. If you want to deal with Kansas City, you, what do you have to do? You have to be able to throw the football when they take away everything else that you want to do. And on defense, when a team decides to come and just run the ball down your throat, like Tennessee did last year in the playoffs, like New England did up in New England this year, you have to have an answer for it. And they haven't consistently shown that they can do either of those two things. And until they do, it's going to be like, well, we know this team is good. We know Don Martinell's a great coach. We know that Greg Roman is one of the most outside-the-box creative thinkers that there are. Look at what he did for Lamar in terms of offense he crafted for him. But now what's the next step? That's where we're at with Baltimore. What's the next step? Yeah, we know COVID has screwed up a lot of people's seasons and made it difficult and all, but what's the next step? Can you keep from being bullied on defense when a team decides to just punch you in the face? And Lamar, when they keep you boxed in, like remember, when we did when we were in Baltimore for Monday night, what was that week three or four against Kansas yep. City? Yeah, right. yep. When yeah. They they had to play from behind, which we know is a problem. Lamar, you're gonna have to throw the football. What can you do? And he couldn't answer the bell at that point, right? They couldn't they couldn't right. muster it up. Those are the questions that still need to be answered with this team. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Ravens getting out in front in this game is paramount, not only defensively to kind of limit the Browns run game. Which, which is phenomenal, but also like what you're saying with Lamar. What, where have you seen Lamar, you know, make strides? Obviously, statistically, it hasn't been what it was last year. A lot of things for the Ravens season haven't been what they were last year, which is a high bar to compare them to. But where have you seen Lamar kind of grow his game in his third season? Well, I think from talking to him, he, he understands and has much more – I think he has a much more cerebral – command of exactly what they're trying to do um and from talking to him he he expresses that you can hear that you can hear that he has more he has more options for himself when he's up at the line of scrimmage now than maybe he has in the past it's just that you know look, their offensive line has been decimated so a lot of that they they can't they still they I mean, they, they bullied Dallas, but then again, maybe I can bully Dallas with the way they play, <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's just being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. they, they can't – they're not the same – they can't impose their will the same way that they could a year ago right. running the football because they can't they, – they've lost so many guys. It's just not the same type of team. And I don't know if on the perimeter they've made enough of an improvement to where – uh, those guys are going to be able to win at a high uh, win rate level, like you would expect a high high flying offense to win. So therefore, it's going to kind of slow down Lamar's development too. That's not taking anything away from him, because he still has responsibility in terms of lifting this offense from a pass game perspective too. So mm-hmm. I think mentally he's better because he has more experience in the offense and has seen more. I just don't think they have been able to find a rhythm for a number of different reasons to where you could really say, okay, he's much better throwing the ball from the pocket outside the numbers plus 15 yards down the field. Because those were things that he wanted to be able to do this year. Mm-hmm. When we got them early on mm-hmm. in Monday Night Football, he said, yeah, these are things I'm looking forward to proving this year. For people to say, hey, if you keep Lamar in the pocket, you get a, get a lead, he won't be able to bring him back. He wanted to prove people wrong. Well, that night then in Kansas City, I mean, against Kansas City, it was like, oh, shit, maybe he hasn't figured that out yet, you know? Right. So I think it's still a, a, a work in progress, for lack of a better term. I still think this offseason that they're going to have to go to work to make sure that he 
he has a true, true number one, a true go-to guy. I think the offense is going to need to open up a little bit more from a passing game perspective overall, schematically, in the way they want to attack you. I mean, you know they can attack the middle of the field. Mark Andrews right. is one of the very best. Mm-hmm. And everyone else knows it, and they still can't stop it. Mm-hmm. It's just those outside the numbers things that in those big shots that have to come along. And that's not just as simple as, well, Lamar just needs to be better. There's a lot of things that are going to have to improve that way. Certainly a piece of that is is who you have out there at receiver. And coming into this year, I think high expectations for Hollywood Brown. We watched the workout videos over the course of the offseason. He bulked up. He was a year removed from the foot. Uh, he's had some moments, but it hasn't been kind of the explosion that I think a lot of people in Baltimore wanted and expected to see. What do you think that he needs to do more of to put together that performance like a lot of people expected? Yeah, I, I think I think what you're going to see is you're going to have games where he does have big time big time games. Remember, like week one against against this Cleveland team, he comes out, he's catching those deep what they call sail routes from the slot, where it looks like it looks like that. Uh, you know, the big play in the Super Bowl to Tyreek Hill that basically won them the game. He's running those types of routes now. And you're going, okay, here he comes. This is going to be – he's going to be kind of that Tyreek Hill light. I just – I don't know if he's really built that way. I mean, Tyreek, if you've ever seen him, is much thicker, sturdier, stronger. Not to say that Hollywood can't get that way, but I, I mean, I don't think his body type is ever going to allow him to be that way. I don't know mm-hmm. if, if Hollywood's ever going to be that one, that true number one, and then there's another 1A, 2, 3. I think he's kind of in the 1A category. He needs a stud mm-hmm. with him. And they've been trying to find one. They've been, they, they know that. But I don't ever think he's going to be a 90-95 catch, 1,300-yard receiver year in, year out, year in, year out. Year in. He's not going to be that AB. He's not going to be Antonio Brown. He's not going to be Michael Thomas. I don't know if he's going to really be Tyreek Hill, and that's okay. I don't think anybody had that expectation. I think he's going to be that home run hitter that has the occasional huge game who typically is going to be maybe a, you know, a five for 75, five for 60 yard, bust a big one here and there type of guy. And I think fundamentally and structurally, they know that. And that's why they've been trying to get him another guy to go along with. What do you make of the Ravens uh, rotation at running back? There's been a lot of talk around Baltimore about that and, the emergence of J.K. Dobbins and people feeling like, all right, this rookie is ready to be the lead dog. What do you see when you watch these runners? Yeah, I mean, look between between him and Mark and, and Gus. I mean, look, these guys are these guys are studs, and I I don't have any problem with their not necessarily being a quote unquote lead dog, especially if you're still getting the production out of out of the position that you want. And we all right. know this. I mean, running backs are like cars, right? I mean. They're like sports cars. You drive them off the lot, their value just starts going down because they just start taking hits and taking hits and taking hits. And what really solidified this with for me is, is one, having been a defensive player and understanding the kind of punishment these dudes take. Look, as defenders, you're out there trying to kill these dudes, okay? <laughs> and the collisions they take are, are unreal. So I don't mind them running back by committee approach. Talking to Kyle Shanahan last week before we did the Buffalo-San Fran game, you know, he said, as, as a coach, I mean, he, he marvels at the toughness of these dudes and that you don't want to wear them out. You don't necessarily have to have a lopsided, you know, imbalance in terms of this guy gets all the carries and these guys just get a few. Spread it out, especially if the offense is still proficient. I like what they're doing here. and The running game is the least of the Ravens' problems. 
Keep it just like it is. Keep them all fresh, mm-hmm. especially when they're all selfless guys who like each other. And Mark, I mean, you guys know. I mean, Mark is great. I mean, he didn't give a shit about that stuff. I mean, it, he's 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 the best. So I mean, it's I, I like what they're doing there. I wouldn't want to play against it. I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to argue with 294 yards on the ground. That's right. <laughs> right. You don't care if it's one guy or three guys. Give me ten guys. Uh-huh. Right. Only fantasy owners care. That, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> Place fantasy. Sometimes I'm just like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lewis. One guy I want to get your perspective on is cornerback uh, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he's having, you know, he had a breakout season to an extent last year. Made the Pro Bowl, and he's just continued that ascent. I mean, he's in that mix. The conversation, at least for defensive player of the year, he's got such a knack for the football. Uh, obviously, you play, co- you know, play, co- pay close attention to the uh, defensive backs. Given your background, what do you think about what you were seeing from Marlon? He's an animal, man. I mean, <laughs> he's just so big and strong and fast, and has that mentality that you know he, he's like he's like Jalen Ramsey. He's like that guy, the guy who you can play outside against the the big, physical six one, six two, two hundred twenty pound true X and Z type players, then go, hey, but you know what? They had this quicker guy who's really a problem. We want to put, oh, okay, I'll go in here. I'll deal with him too, all right? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you need for me to do? I'm the eraser. Mm-hmm. And when you have corners like that, that's why you sign them the long-term contracts. That's why you go, you're going nowhere. And that's <laughs> what they did with him. That's what the Rams did with Jalen. Like those, those guys come along once in a blue moon, and it's not just physical ability, it's the mentality of, I don't care what you need me to do, I can do it. I can, stop, I can stone the run game, I can blitz the passer, I can blitz the passer from the perimeter, you want me to come up in the A and B gap, I'll do that too. You want me to go outside and play cover too, I can do that. You want me to play press, I'll do that. You want me to back off and play man, I'll do that. Can I finish on the ball? Yep, I can do that too. And I'll play every single snap. Mm-hmm. Those guys, as a GM, if you're Eric DaCosta, you're going, Hey, so how much is it going to cost? <laughs> Take care of them and you sign them. And that's right. what they did with him. And then you just move on to the rest of the team. Yeah. And just go, hey, this makes sure 44 is good. Just make sure we get to him the Sunday and we're good to go. I played with a few guys like that. I know, I know what it's like to, to have those dudes. You, you don't ever let Marlon Humphrey go. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I started this by asking you what the feeling is around Cleveland and what the Browns are saying. What are you getting from the Ravens in terms of what this game means? Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to meet with them tomorrow. But, I mean, I, I know this. I know how look, John Harbaugh is a straight shooter, man. He was, a, he was on the staff at the University of Pittsburgh when I was in school. So I've known John a long time. And I've known Dave Culley, their assistant head coach, a long time. I know a lot of their guys on their staff, actually. Mm-hmm. He knows the importance of this game. He knows kind of the imbalance that this rivalry has had. And he doesn't want to lose control of that because it's nice dominating a team. There's a lot of emotion involved with this game. There's a lot of importance along as far as this game is concerned for them themselves, because he knows that they're kind of, their season got a little off track. They're trying to get back into their rhythm. So this is huge for them. Although every coach will say every game's huge, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hate that crap, but (laughs) this game's huge because it's going to be emotional. It's Monday night. It's a division rival. It's the team that we're basically coming into town as the team that left you guys, won a couple Super Bowls. Now we're, you know, we're, we come back and we still own you. That's a, that's a lot. I mean, that, that, there's a lot, man. There's a lot there, a lot of emotion. Yeah. And 
those are the games, man, that bring a smile to my face. Those are the games that you, you, you're like, yeah, this is, this is why you play pro. This is more than just a job. This is personal. And yeah. that gives you goosebumps, man. So, and he knows that. John Harbaugh's is as intense as anybody. You know that. That's how yeah, he yeah. So, this is big, man. This is – if you want to commentate a game, watch a game, play in a game, these are the ones. Mm-hmm. So what's it been like for you? Your your first year Monday Night Football to join the crew. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than Monday Night Football, Lewis. You know that. Uh, so what's it been like for you? You know, the only thing that would make it better is truly. I mean, I think this is obviously a no-brainer is for the fans that have been here this year. You know, at all these different venues, because it sounds like hyperbole to say you know it's all about the fans, but it is all about the fans. It is. You, you tell me, let me ask you this, you know, this, this will kind of just give you my answer. Um, is there anything that you, that you can do in life that kind of replicates the, like the emotional building up of emotion in you from an excitement standpoint as like at the beginning of a game, like when the home team runs out and you hear the crowd go from a murmur to just explode and you hear that sound, there is yeah. nothing in the world like that. Well, especially when Ray Lewis did it. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know how that is. I mean, that's like when I was in Atlanta, right, and we opened the Georgia Dome in 92. The very first time Deion Sanders came out in that dome. Well, he danced for yeah. about three minutes. It took him about that <laughs> And they had all the smoke and stuff. But that was like, I mean, that was incredible. So, that you know, that's the only thing I, I miss about this part of it. You know, like, I wish I could hear that. And just for a while, just, just hear the beginning of games and, and, hear, and sense the crowd and all. But otherwise, it, it, I know how big this is. I mean, I know what Monday night means because as a kid and as kids, you know, yourself, when you watch football, you know that Monday night is what it's all about. You, you understand that Howard Cosell, Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Don Meredith, these guys did this stuff. And as a kid, when that used to come on, I used to just sit there with my mouth hanging open like, that's Howard Cosell talking about Tony Dorsett, you know, and all those. Things. That's what I, that's who I watched. So now sometimes when I do it and in our headset, you know, we have the curated audio of the, of the crowd simulating the noise and, and that music comes on and it's, and it's the Monday night theme. I know how big it is. That gives me goosebumps every time it comes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the game starts, I don't care if there's no fans in the stands. I'm locked in on the game, and it's just as big as can be. But I just wish the fans were here. Um, this is what I, I – mean, this is the pinnacle of broadcasting for football. Other than a Super Bowl, it's Monday night. Simple as that. Yeah. Do you – after a game, do you do you get texts – yeah. Do you, do you get texts after a game from family members who are like, I watched you. You were so fantastic. I feel like, <laughs> you know, my little piddly things I hear from my mom every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, get them, I get them during the game. Yeah. <laughs> I get them during the game, you know, and it's all kinds of different stuff. It's from, you know, my mom, my mom doesn't text, but, you know, she'll, she'll tell me after games, you know, she'll ask me stuff like, she'll, she'll tell me, stop frowning, stop looking so serious. <laughs> I don't like that suit. That suit's too tight. Oh, I do like that suit. I like that. You know, a lot of the texts that I get now, man, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, people have been very complimentary and they've been very pleased with how it's going. For some reason, you know, I love three-piece suits. Like, I'd wear one every week. That's become a big <laughs> discussion for me, uh, for people on social media. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the only thing I'll tell you what I, I, the other, well, it's not really a regret. I just wish that my father was still alive. 
he, he passed away uh, 15 years ago. But if he was still alive, that would be pretty cool. He would, he's, he'd he's watching now anyway, but I, I just love to see his reaction. He'd probably be like, you're the same kid who I used to have to chase to go to bed. You know, when Monday night used to come on at nine o'clock and I used to beg him to let me stay up until halftime. He would just <laughs> laugh going, my boy is doing Monday night football. You gotta be kidding me. That would be yeah. pretty, that's what I, I wish he was still here to see. That's probably how Orlando Brown Jr. feels too. And I yeah, played you- with that. I played yep. with Big Zeus. That was my guy. Bill Belichick loved Zeus. Loved <laughs> that was one of the meanest SOBs ever. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he was a great dude. Now, look, don't get me on the field he was. Right. In the locker room, Zeus always was trying to hold back a smile because he was like a big kid. He was just huge. But, man, what a, and that's, I have so many great memories of this town, man, and this team when I was here. Incredible. That's awesome. Well, you do a great job, Lewis. We really appreciate, yeah, really appreciate your time today. We can't wait for that game on Monday night. So we're going to be, it's going to be a big one. I know you do a great job on the broadcast. So thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Ravens fans know there's only one truck brand strong enough to partner with the Lounge and the Ravens Podcast Network, and that's Ram Trucks, Motor Trend's back-to-back truck of the year. The Ram 1500 offers an available Ram Box cargo management system, four-corner air suspension, and a huge amount of rear legroom. When properly equipped, the Ram 3500 is a heavy-duty workhorse that boasts a 1,000 pound-feet of diesel torque. Go to Ram.com today for great deals on a wide selection of Ram trucks, now with door-to-door delivery. All right, thanks, Lewis, for joining us. Uh, really good insight from him. Uh, he's He does a great job on the Monday Night Football crew, and make sure you watch that game on ESPN Monday in Cleveland. This game, it was interesting. John Harbaugh was asked about it during his press conference over the weekend, and uh, I can attest to this uh, just talking with friends and family in Cleveland. There is a feeling in Cleveland this is one of the biggest games there in recent memory. They're 9-3. and three. They're obviously right in the thick of the playoff race. They've got as the best team they've had there in a long time. They've won four straight games. They're coming off their best game of the season. There is real excitement around that team in a city that's been starved for success. And uh, you won't necessarily feel it as much without, you know, 70,000 fans there. But um, there is a lot of attention on that team and a lot of excitement. It'll be interesting uh, to see what happens on Monday. I feel like I've heard that narrative out of Cleveland before leading into a Ravens uh, Browns game. Like, wasn't that the narrative before the uh, kick six for Will Hill drove the dagger into the Browns heart? I feel like that was like some big game and they were like, oh, we might we might make the playoffs. We have a chance this year. And then just the dagger. Right. That might have been. I think that there was some optimism was that, that year. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. The difference that I think that was 2015 um 2015 yeah and that was the year where the ravens just i'm pretty sure it was 15 that was a year where this if it is 15 the ravens just didn't have that good of a team i mean they went 5 yeah. and 11 that year so the difference here is that both of these teams are f- right in the thick of this playoff race um and whoever loses this game well the browns have a nice lead so even if they were to lose this game they could still make the playoffs but oh yeah they're they're probably they're probably in the they're probably in um but yeah, look, man, I think I think that when I when you compare this game, you look back at what happened week one, Ravens obviously dominated that game. Um, 
I don't put a ton of stock into that. I just think the Browns are obviously a better team. I, you've heard me say on the podcast multiple times over the past two years, if they start to have some success, that's when you have to watch out because then they can get rid of the the kind of the negative self-talk that goes first. Yeah, like you just that you if you lose games early, then the attitude is here we go again. But all of a sudden if you win games and you go on a roll, then it's like that's the old Browns. This is a new t- this is a new time. And I think that the Browns are kind of feeling that right now. Um, and that week one game, it just was weird. It kind of got away from them super quickly. Uh, interception on the opening drive. Ravens marched on the field. I, like, I felt like I had barely even gotten to my desk, and it was 14 nothing in that game. It just happened mm-hmm. so quick. And, and I think that for, for those reasons, um, I don't know. I don't know how much you, you look at that, and that gives you confidence going into this game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I was definitely off on 2015. <laughs> the Browns won three games that year. So <laughs> that was definitely not – Definitely not the talk going into that game. Um, Three games. Yeah, and the Ravens won five. Right, yeah. I, I know that that was, has been a narrative, but it wasn't that year. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I do think that, like, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the Browns are a good team. I really do. And uh, But I, I think the Ravens know how to play the Browns, and I think that they're going to – I think they're going to throw them off their game a little bit, you know. Uh, I, I I watch out for that tricky stuff the Browns always like to try against us, though. There's going to be a trick play at some point. I just know it. The Jarvis Landry pass. Oh, it's something like that for sure. Something like that. It's like I feel like the Browns are almost in that like New England territory where you're just waiting for it, mm-hmm. just waiting for it. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the Ravens have to stuff the Browns' run game. That is essential in this game and and you're not going to stuff it you're not going to shut it down but you can't let chubb and hunt run wild over you that's the key yep um so uh, you know i think i think the ravens we got we started to talk about it at the beginning but you know that was a good win over dallas great win dallas is not a good team let's Mm. just let's just put it out there i mean their defense is not that good so like i am i am encouraged and i definitely think the ravens can go on a run here but they have to still continue to play better football and they certainly have to play better football than they did in Dallas when they go up against the Browns here Monday night. Right. Now, the Ravens beat the Browns. I'm all in. Pushing my chips to the center of the table, <laughs> size it up, going on a run, underdogs in the playoffs. Right. I love it. Uh, you know, first round matchup against the Steelers, you know, yeah. after they lose the first round bye. Yeah. I just, you know, to the Chiefs. So, yeah, I, I think this is obviously a huge game for both sides. And I like that the Ravens are no longer in the, the driver's seat, kind of. Like, they are no longer the top dog and, uh, you know, have the target on their back and all that stuff. Like, now it's kind of the pressure to a degree is, like, on the Browns, you know? Like, are the Browns are the hot team right now. Are they going to be the ones that kind of live up to it, you know? So, are I, they I like real? the Ravens That's... in a back backs yeah. against the wall mentality. Yeah, Ravens are back against backs against the wall, and the Browns are. Are you for real? Like that's the the yeah. narrative uh, going into yep. this game. You know, one thing I got to give you a little bit of credit on. Uh, we talked about this briefly on the podcast last week, but you made the point that you felt like for Lamar Jackson going on the COVID list, being removed from the team for ten days, having to deal with that, kind of having football taken away from you for a brief time, but still disappointing. That that could almost serve as a reset to him um, in what has been a challenging season up to this point. And mm-hmm. it looked like that against Dallas. He looked like he was having more fun. And he even said that after the game. Like, he was so excited to get back that it was – it almost felt like 
he just could go out there and play free because he was just so happy to to be back. So I'll give you credit. You call you kind of called that one. Yeah. You know, I I feel like I've gotten uh, I've been like calling the J.K. Dobbins breakout game every single game since week one. Yeah. And then I finally hit. You know, so like every once in a while, every once in a while, I stumble my way into a good prediction. Yeah. My dad, my dad, before every game, always texts me for my final score prediction. And, and you never get it. Oh, I'm always <laughs> so bad, so far off. But I will say I was actually pretty close on the Dallas game. I think I, I think I was like really close. So maybe I'm just, you know, I'm like the Ravens. I'm hitting my stride late in the Ooh. season. I'm a December, I'm a December analyst, Garrett. Okay, that's well, when you... I get strongest. Okay, all right, that's fair. The other thing I, I do want to say is I think that the game against the Cowboys, well, they had their defense is not good against the run, so certainly take that into account. But I do think that that could be a bit of a recipe for this team in terms of what they need to do down the stretch. They they mm-hmm. put up nearly 300 yards on the ground. Obviously, you won't be able to do that every week, but they played. No, sir. No, certainly not. But but they well, I think Lamar threw for 100 yards, two touchdowns, but then also had 100 yards almost on the ground. Um, running the football and playing that type of bully ball, I feel like that's the recipe for this team. That's what they did at their mm-hmm. best last year, and I think that's going to be the key. They've got a great backfield with with those guys um, and Lamar running the ball. I just feel like that's the recipe for this team to have success. Like that is what they do when the Ravens are at their best, and we saw that against Dallas. Let me let me uh, go on the pedestal here for a minute and and rant a little bit. Look, that's all you do. I'm- I'm yeah. I might be president. I might be the president of the J.K. Dobbins fan club. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've said it from the beginning. This kid's gonna be a star. But the the Ravens fans out there who are pretending like Mark Ingram has no value anymore are just just bothering me. They're bothering me. Okay, I get it. I've been saying like Dobbins needed more carries since halfway through the season. Yeah. Right. I mean, and the Ravens have done it. I mean, the last three games, I think it is, that the guys have been, all three have been on the field. He's had, here it is. Okay, I got it. Over the past four games that each player has played, Dobbins has 43 carries, Edwards 26, and Ingram 18. Mm -hmm. That's not particularly close, right? I mean, so clearly Dobbins has been elevated to the lead lead dog role. Like, he's not going to, but all the Ravens aren't going to all of a sudden turn into just a two backfield offense and say we're not giving ingram anything i mean ingram is a good player he serves his he serves his purpose and he keeps he helps keep the whole unit fresh he's a he's a shot in the arm for this offense and the dude's made some plays this year like let's not pretend like he's averaging one yard a carry he's averaging 4.1 which Mm -hmm. isn't as good as dobbins and not as good as edwards right now but it's not like the guy has like no value i mean come on is this who we are as a ravens fan base really (laughs) That we turn on Mark Ingram like this. I mean, come on. This is bothering me. Yeah. All right. Rant's over. Well, that's fair. I mean, he, he has been um, – yeah, I think the fans are kind of discarding him, and that's not fair. And I, I also like – I like what the Ravens did with him last game. In the, in the second half of a key game, Ingram's someone who's been there. He's experienced it. He's a vet. I do like him carrying the ball in the third and fourth quarter when you need to move the football. Um, you need to pick up a, a tough – a tough first down on third and two. I like Ingram in that role. Um, I like mm-hmm. Gus too, but but I mean I like all of them. So I don't think Ingram should be getting zero, uh, and I'm, so I'm with you on that. I think I, right. I, I think that J.K. should be getting the most, um, and Gus should be getting second. But to say that Ingram should 
just be out of the mix entirely. I'm not buying that. I'm not there. So yeah, agreed. agreed. All right. Anyway, well, I think I think the Ravens are. Let's call it right now. Who's out of the playoffs in order to make space for the Ravens? Are the Dolphins dropping out? The Colts dropping out? What's your final prediction here? I could see the Colts dropping out. the Browns game. I could see the Colts dropping out. Really? I could. Um, you know, Phillip nah. Rivers has, has been dealing with injuries. Um, I could see them. I could see them dropping out. I mean, also the Dolphins. That's what I'm saying. Dolphins yeah. are Dolphins are going to drop. Yeah. Dolph- I, Dolphins I can have see that. the Chiefs this weekend. Chiefs followed by the Patriots. Now, the Patriots look pretty bad on Thursday Night Football, but I'm not ruling out the Patriots, okay. right? Especially against a divisional foe with extra rest because they just played on Thursday. Then they're, the Dolphins are at Raiders, at Bills. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough stretch. I think that they're probably the most likely to fade it, it, just by schedule. But, you know, the Colts, oh, like you I know said. The, you know what, though? You know what, though? Sorry. What's going to really just chat my behind is going to be the Week 17 Miami at Bills. Bills have the AFC East locked up, but they have no shot at a first-round bye. Only one team has it. Mm-hmm. And they just rest everybody and let Miami get a freebie. That's just going to chat my behind. Yeah, I think the Ravens, look, they probably they probably need to win out to I get don't back. Th- see, I don't think so. See, I, I, think, I think that I'm not saying definitely, but I, I think that that is being a little bit overstated right now. I think the Ravens could get in at 10-6. and six. All right. Well, time will tell. Time will tell. The, I will the Ravens. The a- AFC uh, record is not in their favor in that regard. It, so it's not. They're not in good tiebreaker position unless they were to end up with a one-on-one tie with the Colts because then yeah. you have head-to-head. Yeah, yeah. But I think if it's like a three-team tie, like if the Dolphins, Colts, and Ravens were tied, then the head-to-head goes out the window because the Ravens haven't played. They all have to play. You always play. get into these tiebreakers. It's too early for for that. You got them no, up on the chalkboard. We have four weeks left. You got it up on the chalkboard and all these different scenarios. If this team loses these three games, if this team wins two, if they tie here, look, a million different look, scenarios. There's I a can't help left. that I'm smarter than you. I can't help that I'm smarter than you. I'm like that that gif where, Did, you know, it's like from wedding. What is the movie? See, I'm smart, yeah, but I don't have any pop culture. Didn't you Didn't you start this conversation talking about how you, you know, faked your way walking across the stage and barely graduated college? No, that was college? my friend. No, that was my friend. <laughs> yeah, my friend did this. I don't, I didn't do this. My friend did this. Yeah. I'm a I think that's how the conversation started. Bonafide Terp. All right. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. As always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. And we'll be back with you after a 